Welcome to the Herd and 10 podcast. Here's your host, Jake Fertinsky. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Herd and 10 podcast. I'm your host, Jake Fertinsky. You can find me on Twitter at jfortinsky. NFL. You can also check out any of our dedicated social media accounts at Herd and 10. You will find tons of Buffalo Bills content there. So if this show isn't enough, please go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and check out our content there. We really appreciate all of the support. So we got a few things to cover. Now, we do have a guest on coming on later. She's an amazing person, really such a knowledgeable person. She really knows a ton about fantasy football, and that's Kate Maduke. And she is both a podcast host for Ball Blast Football and Locked On. She also works for DraftKings Nation as their editorial coordinator. So she does a whole bunch of different things. But before we get to that, and I just want to note in that part of the episode... We're going to be talking about, of course, the Buffalo Bills, but also the AFC East as a whole and really diving into what the New England Patriots decided to do with Cam Newton, of course, cutting him. That changes things, that shakes things up in the AFC East. So we're going to be talking about how that impacts both the division and, of course, the Buffalo Bills. Now, the Bills have done a few things. I'm not going to go through every single cut they've done, every single move, because they've done a whole bunch of of things. They have gone ahead and kept Jake Kumaro. Very interesting there. Now, well, he whether he's going to be with the team by the time the season begins, I don't know because I'm talking about John Brown being available. I talked about him with Kate later in this episode, so I'm not going to get into that. But I want to talk about Jake Fromm for a moment because the team released him. He cleared waivers and then the team has brought him on to the practice squad. So there's a whole lot of quarterbacks here. They don't need Davis Webb and Jake Fromm. At least I didn't think they did. They obviously feel they do. So I just think that's an interesting move because I personally thought Jake Fromm was done with the Buffalo Bills organization. I did not think they would be keeping four quarterbacks, but it appears that that is the way they're going to be going here. The other thing I want to cover, and this is where I really want to take a deep dive, Jacob Hollister. They brought him in over the offseason. He was going to be that tight end 2 or a 1B to Dawson Knox's 1A or tight end 1. And he is now gone. So the Bills are incredibly thin at the tight end position. And when this got announced and Chris Brown announced it on Twitter, people were really... Not sure why the Bills went ahead and did this. Because, at least to my eyes, Jacob Hollister's looked really good throughout training camp, throughout the preseason. Now, he was injured, and he wasn't on the field a lot in training camp. But during preseason, he looked really good. He flashed some athleticism. There was clearly a connection with both Trubisky and Josh Allen, I just don't quite understand why they went ahead and cut him. 
because it doesn't save them a whole lot of money. To my understanding, it saves them a few hundred thousand dollars. So I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know how you can spend that. Someone did comment, which I think is very interesting. And that's maybe the Bills really both believe in, of course, Dawson Knox, but also in Gilliam. Because Gilliam's going to be the fullback or a fullback slash tight end. And maybe with Reggie Gilliam's versatility, the Bills just felt they didn't need another tight end. They didn't need another tight end that isn't particularly talented. Yes, I understand that I just said that Hollister showed some athleticism, and he did. But he didn't do anything that splashed off the page where you're thinking, oh, wow, we cannot survive without him. However, in my opinion, the Buffalo Bills tight end position was already the weakest on the offense. The running back position is also weak, but in my opinion, the tight end position is by far the weakest. And they've just gotten weaker. They're even thinner. The Bills are really putting in a lot into Dawson Knox, even if Reggie Gilliam is a versatile player and can play fullback and tight end. Would you really want to rely on him as your next man up with Tommy Sweeney? Because that's what you have right now. you got a really, in my opinion, crummy room of tight ends. You have a starting tight end who's Dawson Knox, who has proved pretty much nothing at this point. All he's proven is that he's inconsistent and that he has not reached his ceiling, maybe. I I think that there's a problem there. I think it's okay to believe in a guy like Dawson Knox, but I just don't love the idea of going into an NFL season when you're trying to potentially win a Super Bowl and you don't have a real starting tight end. You don't even have a backup tight end. You're going to roll with Tommy Sweeney and Reggie Gilliam. I mean... It's just, it's really concerning to me. I feel like the Bills have done this every single season. They put way too much priority on the defensive end. And that's actually the reason why, or one of the reasons why, they decided to not go with Hollister. Because Chris Brown noted that Bean said Jacob Hollister's release was a numbers thing. If we had kept another tight end, he's probably on the roster. We went heavy at defensive line, and you've got to cut somewhere else. We wish Jacob the best. My expectation is that he'll sign with another team shortly. So, yes, all the reasons I said probably went into that. But the other reason being that they want to go heavy on defensive line, how many years have we seen this already? We don't need all of these old washed-up veterans That includes Mario Addison, Vernon Butler. We don't need these guys. I get that you want to have a lot of players on the defensive line. I get you want to change them out. But you don't need three or four mediocre guys on the defensive line. Because that is what they have. Their starters, I think, are going to be good. But outside of that, they have a few guys that don't need to be there. They don't need to keep those guys. They're also incredibly expensive, even with their restructured contracts. And I think it's a shame. I think they lost a really good player in Hollister. I don't think they lost a great player. I don't think they lost a starting caliber player. But I think they lost a really good backup tight end. A guy who can not only help teach Knox something, but can step in if something were to happen with Knox. Either if Knox plays terribly 
or if he gets injured. In both those cases now, I don't think the Bills have a real backup. I think the Bills are in a situation where if Knox goes down, they're going to have to go to the free agent market. They're going to have to go and look on the streets to pick up some guy who can all of a sudden learn the offense and be able to play. That's another thing. It takes a long time to learn the offense. The tight end position is actually quite a difficult position to play. There's a lot to learn. And picking up a guy off the street is not ideal. I would have rather them keep Jacob Hollister. So I, as you can tell, I'm not, I'm not happy about this at all. I don't like the move. I don't think it saves a whole lot of money. And it's incredibly frustrating because they clearly went the route of defensive line once again. And I am just, I'm tired of it. So I appreciate you listening to me rant here. That's where we're at at this point. Look, the Bills are a great team, but there are opportunities to get better. And if there are those opportunities, you need to take them. I know they brought Hollister in, but they didn't stick with him. And that is a concern. They're clearly very confident in Dawson Knox. And I hope I eat my words, but so far I'm just not impressed with anything he has done at this point in time. So before we head out for a quick break, we have some exciting news. Our podcast is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for our contest, Believe Football Pick'em, that's Believe, B-L-E-A-V, Football Pick'em at PlayActionPools.com and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between the NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest Believe. That's B L E A V Football Pickem. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor, Pickem, as well as a cool sportsbook style concept called Build Your Bankroll. Playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports pools. Now we're going to take a quick break, and then when we get right back, we're going to be talking with Kate Majuk from Ball Blast, from Locked On Podcast, and DraftKings Nation. Thanks. Welcome back to the Herd in 10 podcast. We are joined by Kate Maduke. Just so everyone knows, she does a bunch of different things. She writes for DraftKings Nation. She also is on the Ball Blast Football Podcast as well as the Locked On Dynasty Football Podcast. So she's got a whole bunch of things going on. She knows her football. She knows her fantasy football. 
Kate, how is it going? Tell our listeners where they can find your stuff. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Hashtag Bill's Mafia. Huge honorary Bill's Mafia member, by the way. Love the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I get mistaken for a Bills fan all the time. Uh, But if you guys are unfamiliar with my work, check me out on Twitter at FFBallBlast. We've got the BallBlast Fantasy Football Podcast. We've got the Locked On Dynasty Podcast. I am everywhere um, doing my very best to infiltrate every aspect of the fantasy football industry to help you guys win your league. So, so pumped to have some real football to talk about. Absolutely. We have the season right around the corner, of course. Anyone that has any interest in the Buffalo Bills right now should be super excited because this team looks as good as it has in a few decades. And we have our answer at quarterback, of course, in Josh Allen. There are some question marks maybe around him on other players, whether we're looking at the running back position or more specifically (laughs) the Buffalo Bills defensive secondary. You know, there's some things there that we don't quite have figured out, but we have Josh Allen and that makes our team an amazing team. What I want to cover here is another team in the AFC East because there was huge news and that's, Cam Newton of the New England Patriots was cut today. And the Patriots presumably are going with rookie quarterback, Mac Jones. I want to get your take both on this, and then we'll dive into maybe how this might impact the bills and the AFC East as a whole. But let's just start with your take on this. What do you think this means for the Patriots? I I really like, excuse me. I really like this move. Um, I mean, we've seen time, time and time again, through the three preseason games uh, that Mac Jones played for the Patriots, he looks fantastic. He looks ready. He looks poised. He looks um, not just ready, but he looks mentally very prepared for this game, which is something that we've heard uh, time and time again about Mac Jones is um, about his mental preparedness, about his mental, uh, you know, forte for the game, if you will. And we've seen that. We've seen every bit of it. Um, again, haven't seen that that mobility, but uh, I think what we've seen through the issue or through the, the preseason is that it's not an issue. So this really is, I think, a changing of the guard for the New England Patriots. Um, they, they acquired some pieces on defense. I think this is Bill Belichick uh, attempting to make a statement this year, like, you're not expecting us to win anything this year. And I don't think anybody has those expectations for the Patriots, but I do think there's a chance that they are going to surprise uh, in terms of what they are able to accomplish, especially with the additions of um, John o. Smith uh, with the emergence of rookie Ramondre Stevenson at running back. They've got, they've got a lot of tools. And I mean, we've seen time and time again, unfortunately, Bill's fans, you guys have seen this way too often. Bill Belichick can do a lot with not a lot. And I I think he's got just enough to maybe surprise us this year. Definitely. And it's a scary thing. And when we look at this move, we realize something else is that Mac Jones could legitimately be a good starter already. If the New England Patriots are rolling with him over Cam Newton, who I get is not the same guy he once was. We all know that he doesn't have the arm strength. He may have the mobility, but he is not the quarterback he used to be. 
But Mac Jones, like you said, has looked phenomenal in preseason and not just on a statistics basis, but if you just watch him, his comfort level, his poise. That's the best word, comfort. He looks so, so settled. He does not look like a rookie, that's for sure. And I know coming in, the expectation was that he was the kind of guy that was NFL ready. He didn't need a lot of development. And that is really apparent at this point. And I know you bring up the mobility and no question. He doesn't have that kind of mobility, but as we know with Bill Belichick, with this Patriots offense, they've never needed a mobile quarterback. Look at Tom Brady. He's one of the least mobile quarterbacks, probably in NFL history. And it didn't matter. So if Mac Jones is as smart as he's looked in preseason, if his arm is as good as it looked in preseason, if his decision-making is as quick as it looked in preseason, I think we should now expect them to be a hell of a lot better than we thought they were going to be. I like that you bring that up because a lot of analysts did not think the Patriots were going to be very good this year, did not think they would even have a winning season. And at this point in time, based on what I've personally seen, and it sounds like based on what you've seen, we actually should expect them to be a hell of a lot better. They could be a winning team this year. Are they going to make the playoffs? I don't know. But I think they're going to be in the thick of it. I don't think they're competing for the AFC East division title, but I do think they could have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. And this is just a rookie quarterback, so he's got a long way to go. Do you have any opinions on how this might impact the AFC East. Now, it may not impact the Bills quite yet, but it certainly is going to impact, I think, at least a team like the Dolphins, who are on the brink of being a good team, maybe not a great team like the Bills, but a good team. Oh, absolutely. I I mean, you bring up the Miami Dolphins. This just brings the whole Brian Flores versus Bill Belichick narrative like back to a header here. Uh, I do think that, you know, they... They could be the team that ekes out the Miami Dolphins' chances at getting one of these uh, wild card berths in the playoff. And we know how how coveted those final spots are. We also know that um, the AFC in general, very just loaded with talent all around. Um, it's a very competitive conference. Like we saw, we saw last season, uh, the, the Washington football team made the playoffs. Like. Uh, NFC East wasn't competitive, but pretty much all divisions of the AFC are very competitive and all of these wild card spots are so sought after. I do think you have to worry that this is going to be a big, uh, a big interruption for the Miami Dolphins because I thought, I thought they were all but set for a playoff berth in 2021. And then we look at the fact that uh, there have been so many rumors about the Miami Dolphins uh, maybe looking to be interested to trade for Deshaun Watson, which brings up so many more questions for the Miami Dolphins in general. Maybe things aren't as stable for the Miami Dolphins as we've kind of perceived them to be throughout this entire preseason and offseason. For sure. I've been hearing that circulating as well, that there is still interest for the Dolphins to make a move for Watson. And if that's the case, clearly they can't possibly be very, you know, comfortable with who they have at quarterback with Tua Tagovailoa, who looked okay last year, but they obviously don't feel he's the future if they're really seriously looking 
at bringing in a guy like Deshaun Watson. And it's not to say Tua can't be a good quarterback, but Watson is pretty much an elite quarterback. So if they're looking to get him, that would obviously shake things up as well. And depending on what exactly they have to give up to get him is a whole other conversation. Now, I want to also cover just a couple more things here. One being the Bills made a move. They actually traded defensive end Daryl Johnson for a sixth-round pick to the Carolina Panthers. Bit of an interesting move. I mean, Daryl Johnson was a seventh-round pick, so they did well in that sense that they got a sixth-round pick. But I think a lot of people, at least a lot of Bills fans, were a little disappointed because they really liked Daryl Johnson as an extra piece on the line, also as a really productive special teams player. So we're losing that in him. Of course, the defensive line has been bolstered this year through the draft, through free agency. So there clearly wasn't a lot of room there. Do you have any thoughts on this? Was this a good move? Is it even relevant? I mean, I know he's not a huge piece, but again, it's just another situation where the bills are so loaded that they are having to either trade or presumably they're going to have to cut really talented players that would otherwise be on starting rosters. I mean, this, I, I do think uh, I'm going to liken this to uh, s- something that I'm currently going through with uh, my dynasty fantasy football rosters. So uh, similar to if, if you guys haven't played dynasty fantasy football before, it is literally like you are managing an NFL roster. Um, they're very large rosters, usually like 25 to 30 roster spots. So very deep. Um, but your team is your team until you cut a player until they retire or you trade them. Um, and that is, that is your roster there, there forever. Um, and similar to the regular, uh, NFL franchise, we have roster cuts and they are due, uh, typically just before kickoff Thursday. And you know what I'm trying to do for all of my teams is look at, uh, these places that, you know, maybe this is a, a player that's not startable on my roster, but I'm going to have to cut this person. I'm going to have to, uh, either make room and, and give this asset away for free on the waiver wire, or I can get return on a pick. And I think anytime you're able to do that, like Bill's management has, I think that's a good thing. Uh, and, and you've got some return there on that pick as well. Um, I mean, obviously their first two round picks, Gregory Russo, I think they're, they're moving in the right direction. They definitely needed some uh, some pressure there on the edge. And I think that they're moving in the right direction. So if this was a fringe player for them, which clearly, clearly he was, um, I, I'm all about getting that return and, and not letting him walk for free because that's what good, uh, good management does is they turn these fringe situations into potential picks later on. They trade them into the future and I love it. So this brings me to my final point here and that's, Looking at a guy who just became available and who was a Buffalo Bills player, was a very productive Bills player. Oh, I think I know who you're going to talk about. I'm going to be bringing up John Brown because he just got released by the Raiders. And I love John Brown. I was sad to see him go. Look, he didn't have a great season last year, but two years ago, he was the Bills leading receiver. And it should be noted that he's on the free market and we're talking about a week or so before the season begins. There's a legitimate shot to pick him up for a very small amount of money. And we know the bills are very limited in their cap, but like you just talked about, there's a lot of guys that they're going to have to cut. 
And yes, you don't want to cut them, but you have a big roster and you're going to have to let guys go. And if you let enough guys go, or when we look at our receiving core, there are a few guys that are sort of bubble or fringe players to make the roster. But if John Brown is available, how can you not try to get him? Especially when he had so much success with the Bills. When I don't think they really wanted to let him go, I just don't think they could afford to keep him. So if they could afford to bring him in, I feel like a guy like maybe Jake Kumaro, who's on the fringe of making the roster, won't actually make the roster. Any opinion on this? Oh, I'm so glad that you brought this up because this was on my this was on my things of uh, on my list of things that I've been thinking about today. Is what if John Brown returned? I would love it so much. I mean, with the Bills, you saw uh, just such a, a fantastic performance in the 2019 season. 115 targets, 72 catches, uh, season high or uh, sorry, career high, 70 yards per game. Um, it was statistically well above his career average in terms of his catch rate, him and John Brown just had a, or him and Josh Allen had a very strong and palpable connection. Um, I just think this is a move that not only would benefit, uh, just like the bills to have him back because clearly he, he worked well with them, but, um, I, why not bring back another wide receiver because he only got I believe 3.75 million dollars with the Raiders um and it's it's not even that he was cut uh, he was cut from the team but um the word came out that he had asked to be released he clearly wasn't happy with the situation there um I, I do think that there could be some potential uh and, and you know it's not to say that He's going to light up uh, the world for fantasy football by any means, but he's always been a very interesting player. And I think he is a wide receiver that makes, if nothing else, your quarterback better. I would love this for Josh Allen. Absolutely. And I, I like that you bring up fantasy football. I do want to then bring up one more point. So we let's talk about fantasy football here for a moment. We look at the AFC East. We look at who's hopefully the best team in that division, the Buffalo Bills. Is there anyone there that you think isn't showing up on people's draft boards or showing up lower on people's draft boards that they should be drafting? Of course, we know Josh Allen's at the top of the list. We know Stefan Diggs is at the top of the list. Where does a guy maybe like Gabriel Davis or are there other guys? You know, I mentioned Jay Kumro if he makes the roster. Is there anyone there that you're still getting value on a team like the Bills or is everyone looking at the Bills as such a powerful offense that they just want any piece of that offense? See, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Gabriel Davis is the name that I think people aren't discussing uh, widely enough. Based on Fantasy Pro's consensus average draft position, Gabriel Davis is being drafted behind A.J. Green. A.J. Green, who had a sub-50% catch rate in 2020, I, I can't even fathom uh, the, the, the drafting of AJ Green. I, I can't look at these two names in the same draft board and, and understand drafting AJ Green ahead of Gabriel Davis. It feels silly to me, um, but Gabriel Davis, he is a guy that has absolutely shined in the preseason. He has been peppered with targets. Um, he's shown that, and this is sort of counterintuitive to the John Brown thing, but um, I, I do think that Gabriel Davis has, has continued to make statements throughout the preseason. 
Um, and he's, he's definitely made a case that he, he deserves a higher target share. And we already saw he, he accomplished a lot in his rookie season in 2020, uh, commanded 62 targets on a team with tremendous receiving depth, which I think is, uh, in and of itself, very impressive, nearly 600 receiving yards, just, just shy of that seven touchdowns in his rookie year. I just think the upside for this kid is so high uh, compared to what we've seen, the target share that we're seeing, uh, especially if John Brown does not make an appearance on this roster. Gabriel Davis, I, I projected him as a wide receiver three at the, at the lowest, and I think he's got a lot of upside. Oh, wow. I, I love to hear that. Yeah, definitely. I think his ceiling is huge. I mean, he's on a great offense. And like you said, it's those touchdowns. It's hard to beat that seven touchdowns. Um, and, and I would expect that he's going to put up bigger numbers this year, especially just given the fact that the Bills are constantly in the red zone and he's going to be a primary red zone target for Josh Allen. He's the biggest receiver we have. He's proven that he's got great hands and he can play in big moments. So I would also expect some some big things from him and, you know, learning from guys like Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley can only help him down the road. So Kate, oh, sure. thank you so much for coming on. This was a, a great chat, very informative, uh, you know, and, and just a lot of fun. So thank you so much again for coming on again. If anyone wants to check her out, check her out on Twitter at FF ball blast. She's doing a lot of things, multiple podcasts. So if you're looking for a ton of football related content, she is your gal. Kate, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. 